Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of A Thousand Tiny Tantrums. Nick is making weird faces. A Thousand Tiny Tantrums. My name is James. I'm Nick. And this is episode 5. 2020 Strikes Back. Yes, that's it. Because this is coming out on January 1st, 2021. But, because we live in reality, the crappy stuff that happened in 2020 doesn't just disappear because it's a new year. So we're going to talk about some of that crappy stuff yeah. and some of the good stuff. Some of the good stuff. Because some good things actually did happen Some this good year. things. Like, this year's not been... Not just me getting to work from home and not having to leave the house and deal with people. That was fantastic. This... I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I did. This year's been, like, a really mixed bag as far as just, like, stuff happening goes. Because, like, there's been, like, a, a notoriously bad stuff, but, like, a weird amount of good stuff has happened, too. Like, there's... We, we got a lot of, like, really great, like, albums released this year, and, like... Yeah, and a lot of good movies made their way, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about some of them. Um, TV's streaming. been yeah. great. Yeah. Streaming has really come into its own, mm-hmm. except for HBO Max, which just nobody cares about. Um, it's it's so sad. HBO Max was like, all right, nobody has subscribed. We're going to get everyone to subscribe so they can watch Wonder Woman. And then nobody liked Wonder Woman. <laughs> Warner like, Brothers can't catch a break. Like I, I, I'd be willing to like investigate it, like Wonder Woman, even in spite of the bad reviews, if it wasn't two and a half hours of my life that I would yes, be getting. Yes, two and back. a half hours long. Like, and that's the thing. Like, if you're, I lo- and I love long movies. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong, I love long it's not movies. Not boring but, like, long movies. Apparently, like all the reviews are saying, like they're not even saying it's fun. They're yeah. saying it's just long and boring, and like nothing happens. Yeah. Like the most scathing review I think I saw of it was like ni- it's called 1984 because that's how many minutes they should have cut out of it. Yeah, 194 minutes. Not, which, or Wonder Woman 84, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Nine, yeah, and like they went minutes, to, through all sense. the length of choosing like the Orwellian year and didn't make it anything about Orwell. Like nothing about Orwellian yeah, like, like why measures. 1984? Why like, not 85? 86, well, yeah, because like, if, when you think 1984, you don't think, oh my God, romantic rom-com with a superhero. You yeah, think, you think totalitarian government. Yeah, and like this was less totalitarian government and more a manipulative businessman who was redeemed in the end. But anyway, we should get to the list. And list, and by list, I mean, like, a sequence of objects and items that we will be talking about and not the um, uh, early 1800s romantic pianist composer. Yes. Um, <laughs> because some of you may have read the description and saw list and then not knew how to spell German names and then got really disappointed when we not talking about romance piano. Absolutely. Every, everyone. Con- content so, warning. There are no pianists in this episode. There are no pianists, but there are two pianists. Um, so, we will alternate. We will do the tops and the bottoms. But, because this is remembering 2020, we're going to start with a bottom. Franz Liszt was totally a bottom. Just saying. Hmm. Like, he was a total queen as far as pianists. So, as go. we're starting with a bottom... Nick? <laughs> What's the topic again? I can't see the list. I, w- I was inferring that you're a bottom. Oh, which, I, yeah. I'm a mixed bag. I, I'm, I'm moving into kind of a theoretical verse area, era. Theoretical area? verse. Theoretical verse, because I, I don't do... Versatile asexual. <laughs> Did you see the it's thing I posted? It was the... it was like the no, like, um, high libido asexual, and then like the thumbs up and the finger ba- finger um, finger guns at like ace pervert. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did see that. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about 
is video games and crunch, oh, which has been, one. you know, it's been happening for years. This has been something that's kind of been a shadow looming over the gaming industry for a long time. Yeah. And that, every time it gets really bad, like with Dragon Age Inquisition and Red Dead Redemption, like they say, oh, it's going to get better because people are alerted to it now. But mm-hmm. then the game ends up selling like gangbusters and nothing changes. Yeah. And Jim Sterling keeps talking about it on YouTube. And Yahtzee keeps talking about it. Well, Yahtzee just kind of does reviews, but Jim Sterling does like 30 minute yeah. tirades about it every monday and people just keep telling him oh can you just shut up and let me enjoy the game and it's like, like well no people are killing themselves now so like there's there's between enjoying the game and wanting to fight for like literal worker equality and you're right with red Dead redemption rockstar did drive some of their uh, employees to suicide yeah which i mean you can argue that you know maybe they were depressed and stuff like that bef- but and, you and can it also- just kind of but I, f- I feel like that the... Compare and contrast to how many... Um, the crunch kind of pushed them over the edge. Yeah, compare and contrast to how many workers killed themselves on other video games. The suicide rate of other video game developers. Yeah. Like, that you don't hear about them in rates like that. And the conditions that Rockstar had them under was so intense. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it happened again with a now infamous installation into the latter part of 2020. Yeah, it kind of, you know... It, the crunch thing has been, you know, rising and falling and rising mm-hmm. and falling. And now it's kind of hit a crescendo because mm-hmm. crunch keeps bringing out games, like you said, mm-hmm. like Red Dead Redemption. Or, yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 and other games that do incredibly well, that mm-hmm. are really well received. Yeah. But and not just that, time, but very well polished. Because Red Dead Redemption was very polished. Last of Us 2 is very well polished. Yeah, like Red Dead Redemption 2 has horse plop plops. Mm-hmm. Um, plops. No, literally, I had a debate on Twitter about like whether or whether or not it was worth it for the engine governing the horseball physics. And I, th- I think it was totally worth it. Like... I, I play. I played Ghost of Tsushima, and I keep hearing like he, him pronouns for the horse, and I'm like, there's no proof. <laughs> I guess it's a trans horse, like. <laughs> but um, with Cyberpunk seventy six, yeah. which was just seventy seven, seventy seven, Cyberpunk seventy seven. Okay, yeah, I haven't played it. Can you Fun tell? fact about numbers: if you see a sequence of numbers that have a disproportionately large number of threes and sevens, it's fake. Because people, when they're thinking of random numbers, tend to put threes and sevens in there a lot. Hmm. But uh, anyway, so it had crunch. It mm-hmm. was supposed to not to. Yeah. Uh, CD Projekt Red was very proud of the fact that they weren't forcing their employees to do crunch to mm-hmm. get the game finished. And then they did. And then they released the game, and it only runs well on... A, like a, a, a narrow small, percent of yeah like it, it's like high-end pcs it and runs well consoles. and uh xbox series x and playstation 5 it runs pretty mm-hmm. well and then for and everything the majority just, of it, people it's broken to a point where it just doesn't run in some cases yeah the majority of people who would be playing it on xbox one and playstation 4 it's just it's 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 unplayable yeah, it, to the point where PlayStation actually took it off of the PlayStation yeah, Store. Yeah, like people are and people are sort of comparing the, comparing this to like uh, Skyrim and like other games that release super buggy. But with like Cyberpunk seven and these are people who have next gen consoles. I'm like it works well for, well for me. I don't know why everyone's complaining. Just let people enjoy the game. I have like, a four thousand dollar PC and it works wonderfully. Uh, and not just that, but like people complaining about the crunch and being told to shut up because oh, just let people have fun. And like, yes, CD Projekt Red is a Finnish company. They're European, Polish, yeah. Polish, they're po- Polish, po- Polish. Yeah, they run on more Eurocentric kind of labor laws. Uh, and their crunch wasn't as bad as American crunch, but like crunch is crunch. Yeah. Uh, that's being paid like 
the same amount of money on contract and then not getting paid any extra. Yeah. Uh, and they're not getting paid. And, and sometimes crunch, you are being paid. Yeah, uh, you are being paid extra, and 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 there's all these little caveats that are mm-hmm. there. Like, well, it's not forced crunch. We give them the the uh, the opportunity to say no, they don't want yeah, to. Yeah, but that's more like a threat. Well, yeah, because gaming developers they're not unionized Mm -hmm. and they're so they don't have a union they don't have a guild they don't have anyone fighting for them so cd project red could not now i don't know if they did this but they could very much just say oh you don't want to work six days a week 16 hours a day okay well you're fired and then there's there's no recourse for that i guess not but there was such it's especially because they're all in most uh developers are independent contractors yeah they're contracted for the development of the game and then after the game is released the uh company just keeps a skeleton crew on of developers like a fraction of the size of the development team that's if the game will be continually updated which most are like with patches and stuff yeah and i i actually i saw that and most and most studios have full-time developers on there that kind of just run yeah but i did see uh on kotaku i think that CD Projekt Red is actually has staff working on the first bit of DLC. So they're work paid DLC. Mm-hmm. So they're working on DLC before fixing the game. Yep. That's not is, surprising. No, because it's happened before. Warner Brothers Games did it with um, Arkham, Arkham Knight. Knight. They didn't um, even bother fixing that. Well, I mean, Arkham Knight played fine on, like, the PlayStation 4. Yeah, on consoles. But apparently PC yeah. was just wrecked. Yeah. And, like, when people talk about comparing these games to games like Skyrim, it's like, no, these games have regular file corruption. And the other thing... Regular crashes. The the other thing is that Skyrim didn't have crunch. Hmm. No. Like... I mean, they just reused the same engine from Oblivion, but, like, that's because why. You can't compare a game with crunch coming out broken and buggy to a game without it coming out broken and buggy. Yeah, and what like I, I really hope that people take Cyberpunk 77 as an indication for like how unpredictable crunches when releasing a game because earlier in this year we had uh, Last of Us 2 mm-hmm. which runs fantastically. Um I yeah. didn't play it because I am not big into horror games, but it's James not a horror James, game. There is like lots of bloody stuff in there. Yeah, and but it's I, not a horror. I game. have a weak stomach. Um, you can't even describe like getting like a hangnail to me. I just start to gag. Um, um, barf me out. Gag me with a spoon. Um, but Last of Us 2, like James has described it to me in gratuitous detail because I asked for it. Um, Beating her head in. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the game, but like I I don't really like The Last of Us 2 games. Like I like them in synopsises. But, like, the Last of Us games, not The Last of Us 2. Yeah, The Last of Us games. I didn't really like the first one because I didn't really like it. I liked people talking about it, though. I liked hearing about it. But that's actually a really good transition into the positive topic, mm-hmm. which is that there was actually a lot of queer representation in video games this yeah. year. A, a lot, relatively. Mm-hmm. Relatively Number speaking. Two you know, on the list. <laughs> and it's not just, you know, um, Dream Daddy yeah, simulator like it, it's and not like independent. It's not visual. Vi- like, Queer characters, especially forced queer characters, as in not no, that's a bad phrasing. Like characters that they're just gay. Yeah, they're just gay. They're POV characters that you can't not play the game without playing this queer character. And they've been big in visual novels. They've been big in simulate dating simulators, especially. Yeah. Um, but like for the most part, queer characters are reserved to things like Bioware games, where it's a romantic option, and Shepard can choose not to be gay because we want that messaging getting out there. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you can choose to be straight in most video games. Um, but this year, we have had two very interesting installations into that. Well, yeah, and the first one technically that had the their first official release was mm -hmm. the last of us 2 yeah which you know is very divisive there's some people who mm -hmm. hate it because of certain things that happen in the game um plot wise there are some people hate it just because they're forced to play as a lesbian mm -hmm. and i the first time i played through it i i was like this is a masterpiece this is perfection yeah. and then a plot thing happened that derailed my opinion of that yeah and i won't get into spoilers if for anyone who's interested in playing the game once it gets lower in price or anything like that but what was that i'm pushing a thing over because my armchair my chair arm keeps knocking into something so i just pushed it in oh uh sounded like a ghost um Ooh. but um so there's there's some plot points that have pissed people off mm -hmm. early in the game and later in the game yeah and but most of the people I saw online were just pissed off because they didn't have the choice to not play as a gay character. They had to play as a lesbian, as Ellie. And not just that they had to play as a lesbian, but a lesbian with a girlfriend. Yeah, an, an undeniable lesbian. You couldn't pretend she was straight. Yeah, because at no point in the game does she show interest in men. Mm -hmm. And her companion... Like, the first game, your main character was Joel, mm -hmm. and your companion was Ellie. Yeah. In this one, your main character is Ellie, and your companion is Ellie's girlfriend. Yeah, her pregnant girlfriend. Who is a fabulous character. She's bisexual. She, she, was, she got pregnant from a guy who was friends with Ellie, and he's in the game, and he's a, like, uh, a supporting character who's actually, you know, a decent person. Um, one of the few in The Last of Us world. Um, and replaying it i think it's a great game um knowing that later in the game twist that happens and no being able to ex expect that yeah i mean like we've talked about that you've kind of like i said you've explained it to me so i'm kind of running from a very detailed secondhand reference but like i feel that from a critical standpoint it seems to me that naughty dog got very kind of ambitious after the acclaim after the acclaim they're given for the first one and wanted to branch out into narrative structures that i don't think really fit the kind of uh gameplay format of video games i don't know if it doesn't fit i i think that it's i think they wanted the shock sorry it's new year's eve mm -hmm. and there's people outside who are making noise if you can hear that um they wanted that shock um that for that yeah. twist to happen and i think because of that you you really you play a majority of the game and then it just kind of like slams you, slams the brakes on, and yeah. and, and something changes. I, I think for video games, like the way you describe it, they need a, it doesn't work. Like it can work for TV, it can maybe even work for movies if done properly. Like it's a difficult thing to even pull off. I don't know if it things. doesn't work. I think it can. The work. reason it doesn't work because the function of video games as an entertainment medium is more or less some kind of immersion. You're supposed to get into the property. You are supposed to see the game through the eyes of whoever the director, producer, artists want you to see through. Um, whether this is kind of like a side view Mario point of view and it's very neutral, or it is more like The Last of Us and you are supposed to see it through the character you're playing as. Um, to kind of pull the bait and switch like they did, um, I, I, I don't, after you spent so much time being invested in the first half of the game, mm -hmm. like it, it doesn't work because your emotional investment doesn't switch with the perspective switch 
change. Right. And but I this is supposed to be the positive section. Yeah, yeah. I am not I the game is great and in my opinion it's great. There are flaws there, but they are more than easily like you can overcome them very mm-hmm. easily, especially if you know it's coming. Yeah. Um and so you know there there is a twist at like the end of about halfway through the game and if you're going to play it just expect that and i don't think you'll be disappointed yeah. because the twist happens but the game continues to be a great mm-hmm. game um but, but have... it wasn't the only yeah. queer game that kind of came out that i mean the last of us came out as this is a big mainstream triple a game yeah and then another game hades came out that it's been in in um, early development forever, yeah. But that came out as you know small indie title on PC mm-hmm. and the Switch that then became mainstream. It, it became just a phenomenon, just like from just nothing but word of mouth. I, as you were, as you say, you like it started with gay magazines saying like, "Hey, there is a video game with a gay character, love it." Yeah. Um, and then it kind of just spiraled outwards from that. And this is not to say that indie games um, like this haven't been doing this. Haven't doing this because I think Celeste also the game Celeste also has either gay, trans, or just queer in general kind of themes in it. Cool. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't played it yet. It's it's on the list. But like Hades just kind of took everyone by storm. And once again, this is a character who is undeniably bisexual you can't play the full game and lock off the gay gay stuff yeah because he has an ex-boyfriend he has an ex-boyfriend who then through the plot we can spoil this right i guess i don't don't think no at some point in the game he you meet up with his Mm ex-boyfriend who is very obviously his ex-boyfriend and the Greek god of death, Thanatos. Yeah, Thanatos, because Hades is not the god of death. Thanatos is. And the game isn't from Hades' perspective. It's from Hades' son, Zagreus, who I was actually shocked to learn is a real figure from Greek mythology. Yeah, it's called Hades because it takes place in Hades, mm-hmm. the underworld. Yeah. Um, and so you're playing as Zagreus, who is this sexy DMC Dante-esque Re- Rebellious character. son of Hades, who wants to, you know, you're not the boss of me, dad, and then just yeet out of the underworld. like. Yeah, and... It works great. The mechanics work great because it's a it's a roguelike, it's a roguelike which is like, basically what a roguelike is: is that you're you you play and you die and you play and you die. And, and that each time you suppo- do, each time you play through the game, you pick up either a currency or special abilities that you can take into the next time you play through. And yeah, this is and kind so of inc- things build up. Yeah, and this is incorporated into the sort of the mechanics of Hades, where Zagreus, the Greek god of cycles and rebirth, dies constantly. Yeah, he dies, he comes back to Hades. And then and tries to get out again. Gets out again, mm-hmm. going uh, over and over and over yeah. again. And I think there's like, I forget how many cycles there are before you actually beat the game, but there's a lot. Like, um, yeah. And because it it takes this idea that has been in roguelikes for years mm-hmm. and actually makes it a part of the plot. Makes it a part of the plot it's in a way that other characters comment on but also like the thing about Hades is that it's an isometric game, isometric sort of beat-em-up game but like the writing, the voice acting and the story in general is just really top-notch. Yeah. Like something that should not be expected from a game like this and not to mention the animation is really cool When too. I bought it I honestly thought it was just going to be a text game like, like not I, a text game like the I hel- Oregon I, Trail. But... I saw it on the on the um Nintendo store and I kind of turned it over because I'm like oh it just looks like a boring fighting game I already have dead cells if I would have known that it had like the kind of narrative punch and the character punch because characters are really good in this game and they're all 
mega sexy. Um, and the voice acting. Yeah, the voice acting is really good. Uh, like, if I would have known it had all of that, I would have bought it immediately. Because this game is, like, it, it was I so fun. I bought it twice. Like, it was the first time in a while, not many times has happened, that an indie game was put up for Game of the Year. Yeah, and should have won. The it Last of won. Us 2 won, but Hades should have. You, know you know what else The Last of Us 2 won? What? Best Direction. Right. When it when it was under crunch, that's not Best Direction. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but... Especially when Supergiant, the developer that made Hades, made their employees take mandatory vacations. Mandatory vacations, breaks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, wow, Hades made a lot of money. We're going to get yeah. the bonuses. They're, they're doing... They're mm-hmm. they're being awesome. I, I love the developers talk, hearing the top developers talk about how they didn't expect the game to take off the way it did. Well, yeah, especially because uh, like, <laughs> they're like they kind of thought, oh god, this year is terrible. Like this is this game is so depressing. It's just about you're a guy and trapped and you're trapped in an endless cycle of never able to escape hell. Like who wants to experience that? Yeah, like... and then it happened. <laughs> a pandemic happened. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a fantastic game. And yeah. I, I bought it on the Switch, and then mm-hmm. I bought it on Steam so that I could stream and if you want, it. If you want the gay stuff, uh, look up Zagthan. That, that's the gay ship yeah. between the characters, Zagreus and Thanatos. Yeah. And I've streamed it. Um, I might stream, play it again for a stream. I know. I, I want to get back into it, because it is really fun. And I haven't done everything. I haven't got Achilles and Patroclus back together yet. Yeah, that's one of the subplots, is you can actually yeah. get Achilles and Patroclus like the, back this, together. This game, with like almost no advertising, ended up just taking over the world. And like everyone talked about it. Like It's a big deal. There is so much fan art. I love the community around it. Um, especially, especially if they're salty that it didn't win over the last us. <laughs> yeah, because the ne- the only negative part there's no there doesn't seem to be a part of the community that's like, ugh, Zagreus yeah. had the like is bisexual, gross. It's like the negative part of the community is I can't believe it didn't win. Even like, the, that's the even angry the gay part. ones like they're they're into the idea of Zagreus being bisexual because Megara isn't an emotional romance for Zagreus. Megara mm-hmm. is a sexual interest for for Zagreus. Yeah. Um, like, she's into pegging, and so is he. <laughs> but, um... We should get on to topic number three, I think, right? Yeah, and topic mm-hmm. number three is another negative one, mm-hmm. and don't need to talk about it very long, no. but it's COVID-related hiatuses and, and delays. Uh... Uh, so that happened a little bit with... A little bit with video games, but not much. It was basically we need to delay it a couple of weeks so that we can get... Well, keep in mind, it wasn't until uh, COVID came up that and Studio CD Projekt Red sent everyone to home that they were started doing Crunch 2. Yeah, because suddenly, well, you're working from home, so, you know, yeah, you don't have to But, like, that features the idea anything, so of you've just, got more time to work. just how invasive a lot of employers have been into their employees' lives when with people working from home. Like, yeah. you've been very lucky because your boss is very... You, you've shown that you can work from home over the last uh, few well, years. Well, all of us. The whole, the whole yeah. um, organization is working yeah. from home. We mm-hmm. worked from home when the pandemic started. Then we went back. Now the flare-ups have happened again. We're back yeah. working from home. And We're not working your... right now. We're on Christmas break, but we'll be going back to work. And most of your team ro- works remote anyway, so... Well, my team does, the yeah, marketing team. your team, yeah. Um, but um, as far as the hiatuses and the delays go, it really mostly affected movies mm-hmm. because you had movies like Black Widow and yeah. Wonder Woman Wonder especially Woman. and uh, the, the Eternals and... Uh, Dune and The Fast and the Furious yeah, and, and James then, Bond and all and of then, these huge movies that were just like, we can't release in theaters. 
we don't want to i mean they this, tried with tenant they tried with tenant and it 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 i think it just broke even mm-hmm. um might make but it some didn't money make off profit. Of, might make some money when it does go to streaming and dvd like, which i think it's on streaming now okay um i, I love but robert, apparently it's just not a very good movie i i heard i, I read something that robert Pat- pattinson said about it he said that while filming for the movie for months he didn't have the slightest clue what was going on Apparently, people who watch the movie don't have a... And, and Christopher Nolan's pretentious-ass explanation for that was like, I think about my movies for months and years before I make them, so I don't expect everyone to understand what's going on. Yeah, it's like, well, maybe someone should understand what's going on. Maybe the cast. Um, but a lot of things were delayed. Uh, a lot of shows were delayed because, you know, you can't finish shooting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything Marvel was delayed. Yeah. Everything. Um, WandaVision was supposed to be out in November. Yeah. Uh, 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 that, that, Falcon they... and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be out this past summer. It was right. That was supposed to come out like yeah. right after Black Widow. Yeah. But the, with with WandaVision, they'd filmed finished shooting. They just had to finish the digital effects. Uh, with... And they did some pickup shoots. Okay, but with Fal- Falcon and Winter Soldier, they hadn't even finished shooting that. No, and so. It just kind of everything spiraled. I mean, Black Widow was finished, ready to go. Um, same thing with James Bond. Same thing with Wonder Woman. But like all of these movies couldn't get put into theaters because of COVID. And like, in spite of the fact that this is inconvenient for us nerds, but like this, there's been such a strange neurotic way that the entire movie industry has been trying to adjust and cope with this. And, like, you know, there's talk of, like, everything going to streaming. There's talk of, like, uh, movies just being indefinitely on hiatus. Like, Well, it's because it's a big problem because a lot of studios are like, we need money. We need money. Mm-hmm. We we will put this on streaming. We'll charge you 30 bucks. There. There's your movie. Um, but then they have contracts with theaters. And so theaters are like, you can't do that. We're going to sue. And they have contracts with actors because if you just put it... In the contract, it says, for a lot of actors, like, you get a certain percentage of the gross income mm-hmm. from theater revenue. Yeah. If it doesn't go to theaters, there's nothing in their contract saying you get a percentage of the streaming revenue. Yeah, and Warner Brother got taken, got threatened to take to take into court for putting so much, for announcing that they were going to put so many movies on HBO Max. Movies that they didn't actually own the full rights to. Well, yeah, because they announced Wonder Woman first. Mm-hmm. And... Which, that's in-house, like, that's fine. Yeah, the, and, but... It's it's not. Oh. Um, it's produced by production companies. Oh. And so they made a deal. They paid, I think Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins both got paid an extra $10 million each Jesus. so that they could put it up on HBO Max. I mean, girl power and sure, then they but... announced, okay, we're going to do this with our entire 2021 slate. And then a whole bunch of, which most of those movies are produced by production companies like Legendary Pictures. Legendary, legendary specifically, it was Legendary with Dune. Like, they were like, oh, with no. With Dune, with Godzilla versus King yeah. Kong. And they were like, no, no, these movies need to go to theaters. For two reasons. One, because, like, the creators want... They're they're both of those movies are about big things. It doesn't make sense to put them on small screens. Like, yeah. I, I'd rather... I don't think I'd want to watch Dune for the first time on a small screen. And, I mean, Denis Villeneuve, flecked, who's the director of Dune, mm-hmm. uh, he flexed his dick hard at mm-hmm. Warner Brothers and forced them to put Dune back as a theater-exclusive movie. Yeah. So it is now in the, all right, well, it'll come out when the pandemic's over land, which I really want to see Dune. But at the same time, after watching that trailer, I want to see it in theater. Um, And, you know, I'd like to see a 60-foot Timothy Chalamet. I'm fine with that. Um, 
and it's it's kind of it's it's just it's it's really I can understand where the studios are coming from. Yeah. Uh, the studios, the public, because books were also delayed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand where the studios and the publishers are coming from saying, like, we need to make money. And I can understand where the 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 theaters are coming from, which is also, well, so do we. And the thing that bothers me about it is this sort of argument of, well, this movie should be seen only in theaters, like mm-hmm. from Christopher Nolan. And I'm like, all right, then if that's what you want for Tenet, then you should have delayed it yeah. because people should not risk their life to well, see a movie. Not just that, but like there's this kind of pretension around a lot of directors being like, this movie must be seen in theaters, in the cinema. And like yeah. like Christopher Nolan, um, like shot on film, like, rejected on film. There's very few like, things that Christopher Nolan's made that I'm like, okay, this needs to be seen on a big screen. Most of his stuff is like very kind of intellectual sort of high high flute and stuff. Like the trailers for Tenant, I didn't see anything that said you need to see them on a, on a big screen. Mm-hmm. But like the things that I've seen from Dune, from Black Widow, I'm like, yeah, that's a big screen stuff. Oddly, what I've seen for Black Widow, I'm not like, oh, this is a big screen movie. Mm-hmm. But then I found out it, the, almost the whole thing was shot in IMAX yeah. and 70 millimeter This was film. meant to give uh, Black Widow the spectacle that she didn't get to have with a solo movie, especially to basically that, give yeah. Black Widow a James Bond movie. Yeah, um, but just like kind of amping it up with like all these like uh, with the, the Marvel kind stuff, of, like just like the, the wide cameras that they have, just fitting all that stuff on screen and the shots that are there. But also like with Marvel, like it it would be in very bad taste to put the to put this movie Your first to put to finally give black widow a movie and put it on put it on screening but also just like the first movie after their crescendo of endgame and infinity war to put that on streaming because what that says is okay marvel's just going to screen streaming streaming now yeah because they've got all their streaming series like wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier and loki my face was juking out there because i was scratching that's fine and so you know there is that danger but mm-hmm. they don't need to put it on streaming because mm-hmm. disney plus is doing great yeah they can delay it as far as they need to because they do have things to put on disney plus that will satiate that 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 thirst for marvel I, content i mean as far as disney as a whole company it's a very bad year for them to have removed all of their money from disney interactive and put it into parks as yeah bad decision um so we're gonna take a break quick break we're uh four minutes over uh so we're gonna take a quick break and stop bumping things sorry let me move it but we're gonna take a quick break uh get to hear from our sponsor and uh we'll be back in a few seconds and then we will talk about the other three things on the list (laughs) oh boy Hey there, James. I have a problem. Oh no, what's your problem? I really want to read something, but I don't want to use my face eyes. Oh, I understand. Your face eyes can get tired very quickly. Oh yeah, they're the worst kind of eyes you can have. They are. So I have a solution for you. I have a way that you can read with your ear eyes. No way! It's How called... do I do that? <laughs> it's called Audible. <laughs> Mr. I don't break with comedy. Audible, what's that? It's called Audible. It lets you download titles and listen offline anytime so you can download them. It's an audiobook thing. So I don't have to use my phone internet. Okay. So, 
It's called Audible. You go to Audible Trial slash Tantrum, and here's what it is. It's for audiobooks. Somebody <laughs> reads the books to you. It's amazing new technology. It's been around for decades. But um, only recently has it come to the internet. The, egg, the World Wide Web. The World Wide Web. <laughs> you can find it at AOL.com. <laughs> So, because you're a busy guy and you don't have a lot of time to just sit down with a thousand-page book in your hand, you can just listen to the audiobook version, which sometimes has actors reading it as different so, parts, and sometimes just has one awesome person narrating but it. But what if I want a self-help book? Self-help books are available. What if I want a wellness program? They're also available, as what well if... as theatrical performances, and even exercise programs and they have a great selection of lgbtq plus inclusive books oh that's great yeah so i including some of my favorite books do you know how tired my ear eyes ear eyes are gonna get they're gonna get super tired oh, but my... it's better to have tired ear eyes than to have tired face eyes so if you want to sign up for audible the best audiobook service in the world go to audibletrial.com slash tantrum you can see the link below our heads thanks james that's really helpful because if you use that code it will give you one free audiobook and three free audible originals i'll be sure to do that and we're back it's been a hell of a year jack what are you talking about it's only april <laughs> <laughs> So, the next thing on the list um, is a good thing. Good it's a thing. good thing again. Woo! Um, some really cool movies have have managed to come out this mm -hmm. year. And one of them was The Old Guard on Netflix. Yeah. And this kind of plays into, like, 2020 being, like, the year of the, the, the couch gay. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know what that means. It means, like, the gays who, like us, never go out and do any kind of fun, gay, exciting stuff. We just stay inside all day and troll gay twitter oh um <laughs> but the the old guard came out and kind of shocked everyone yeah uh because it's it was a it was kind of a come out of nowhere movie that picked up legs because of word of mouth well yeah because it was like okay it's a it's a netflix action movie they've got charlie's theron but it's still a netflix yeah, action movie. and then it was like they've got netflix has the money to get charlie's theron yeah. and so and then they did like a cross between wolverine john wick and like a, sp a a female spy movie like yeah and so which awesome I, action which really... i will stand Star charlie's throne to the day i die like. <laughs> and there's awesome action in it there's a great like really interesting fun plot mm -hmm. the the plot devices are really interesting yeah. setting up sequels and stuff like that it's visually engaging really well acted really well acted and then suddenly out of nowhere comes this gay couple who... But not even pronounced. They're just, the first time you see them do gay stuff, they're spooning in the background. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not made a big deal of the mm -hmm. and like 
you know, when they actually kiss, it's this yeah. big middle finger to the, uh, the the villains. The villains around there, which they then use to murder them all. Yeah. Which <laughs> Spoilers. Is, which is great. Because, you know, it's just two gay guys who are mm-hmm. badasses. Yeah. And there, there isn't this speech about discrimination, about how everyone needs to be be nice to people and stuff. It's no, they're, they're gay guys. They've been around since the Crusades. They've dealt with homophobia, no doubt, but they're over it. Like, you know. Yeah, it's not the point of the movie. The point yeah. of the movie is that a part of this sort of immortal team mm-hmm. is two gay guys. Yeah. And they're just gay. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I'm that's, like, this is it. what I've yeah. been asking for from movies forever. Like, the thing is, like... And TV shows just put the gay characters there and they're just gay and the movie did really well that's the key point no one complained about it not even the people who complained about forced diversity and everything because you know what people mean by first first i mean there were some people who watched it apparently with their children which is like Uh, eh. like i watched this movie with my children there's already a movie with blood and gore it was just an action movie and there's homosexuals yeah god like, forbid the gays are coming for your children but let them watch people get shot in the back like shot in the back shot in the head decapitated like all yeah. sorts of stuff like that's fine that's fine it's like when there was <laughs> gay characters on the walking dead and people were like my children watch this show <laughs> my favorite thing and this is another charlie's movie charlie's Theron movie was when atomic blonde trailers were coming out oh yeah and grace randolph a movie critic on youtube was watching the trailers and she was like looking at all the action and like punching people in the face with pistol whip for people times like and then like she's like oh this is good this is good and then like Charlize Theron starts making it with oh what's her face I love her I can't remember her name she played the mummy yeah but like starts making it with another girl in like a kind of a graphic softcore sex scene and Grace is like this wasn't in the trailer this was the movie no this was in the trailer and like Grace looked at the trailer on the live reaction it was like oh I don't know if kids can go see this now yeah (laughs) and it's like it's rated R and I mean, I like Grace. I think she has, a, she's, she's, she's good at what she does, mm-hmm. but it's like, girl, she's, <laughs> you are so American. Like, yes. It's super violent even, and bloody. I wasn't even mad when I saw her say that. I just thought it was hilarious. Like it's super violent and bloody mm-hmm. and there's drugs and, yeah. and drinking and smoking and, oh, but girls kiss each other. <laughs> so the children's can't watch it. Oh my God. But yeah, like I think when a lot of I think when a lot of people talk about forced diversity, they are talking about that kind of grandstand, that making a big deal of these gay characters. Oh yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, making a big deal out of these trans characters. Netflix does do this to an extent with like kind of like showcasing. Look, where where are they making? Who's making big deal of trans characters? Where are the trans characters? No, yeah, really. (laughs) But like, um. I'm talking about the way that things are grandstanded. Like Pose doesn't do this. Pose doesn't tra- grandstand characters. It doesn't make the sh- it doesn't make the show about discrimination. It makes the show about characters. Yeah, who live in a real world. But yeah. the the biggest example was Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast and Star Wars. Remember? Oh yeah, the yeah. Oh, the exclusively gay moment. Yeah. Um, that is for Star Wars an mm. out of focus kiss between two lesbians in the background as other stuff is going Which on. James and I will beat that dead horse forever. And. You know, you've if if you've watched my videos, you've seen me beat that rant about that. Um, but and then with Beauty and the Beast, it was another exclusively gay moment. Yeah, that is LeFou dancing it with a guy for all of It was exclusively gay. Three. It was exclusively gay coded. Well, no, there are two guys dancing together. Yeah, but it's LeFou dancing with a guy for all of seventy-two frames, like perfectly it's... happy in seventeenth-century France. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one had a problem with it. Which is just 
a, a, a white woman married fell in love with a monster so obviously two men can fall in love together <laughs> and there was also there was also um also from disney uh a mo- one of the movies that got delayed was mm-hmm. jungle cruise and they made a big deal about oh, that right. having gay a gay character, character. Gay character gay they character. were like it's got a gay character he's a part of the main cast he's mm-hmm. actively gay and then they're like oh but he's like super campy and we've cast a straight person and yeah. it's kind of a sp- Boof of a gay character, because and then they showed the, the movie to preview audiences, mm-hmm. oh. and they hated it. Oh. And so they have had. To... I feel so bad for Emily Blunt. Yeah. Oh my god. And so they've they've gone in and reshot a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going. They in. hated this the gay character specifically, specifically because yeah, okay. he was not that it was like you can't have him in a children's movie. It was it's just like he's offensive. Yeah. And so like they're... Alfred from the Birdcage. How is Alfred offensive? He's fabulous. <laughs> this pink socks. Um, One must have a splash of color. No. <laughs> but um. But like, I think the way Nathan Lane is gay, and yeah. he knows gays like that. When you know well, people, he is one. <laughs> I think he's a little bit more intelligent and sarcastic than Alfred. This is the movie Birdcage, starred um, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, which is now very. It, it's it, we're getting off topic, but the Birdcage is now considered toxic by a lot of a people bit. in the gay community because the story of the Birdcage is not these two gay men. It's how to get these two gay men. It's it's the whole plot of it is shaming these gay men, which I think is part of the brilliance of not just this one but also the original French play. Le Cage Faux. Le Cage Faux. Where, like, in the French play, it's much more accentuated that... The son is a dick. The son is a huge asshole for asking his gay dads, who raised him from birth, to play it straight so he can get engaged to his uh, conservative conservative right-wing... Which she's not conservative, but the family family is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know... But I, I know that a lot of people... And it's it's oddly it's it's the 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 younger generation mm-hmm. of gays uh, I've found of queer yeah. people who find it offensive. But I'm sorry, I just love that movie. I can watch that movie I, on an endless loop. Yes, in the same way that like like it is problematic. But I, I I read the problematic elements as it is meant to be. Like it's meant we're not meant to hero hero make his son heroic. His no. son is supposed to. His son is a dick. His the son entire is a, movie. Yeah, his son is a dick for asking his dads to do these things, and he is consistently ungrateful for it and like when i watched the movie when i was a kid i never even read the story uh as like oh this is about the son i'm Mm -hmm. like no this is about these gay dads doing everything they can to make their kid happy and like consistently being the best gay dads consistently they sacrifice their pride they sacrifice their identity they sacrifice uh, their ornaments they sacrifice their ornaments and they just had that place sponge painted yes But like, and they, they made sacri- Agador they, cook. They sacrificed their entire lifestyle and put themselves back in the closet for this person. Um, and like, I can see a straight reading of this as being like, "Oh, look how heroic these dads are for doing that for him." Like, no, that is something. And I think they're th- doing the right thing. I think that Robin Williams and Nathan Lane were very Robin Williams, especially uh, the way he acted. This was very clear, and this is something that you should not ask your gay people to do. Yeah, under any because circumstances. like. You could like you look at it and at the birdcage, mm-hmm. and you can say it's toxic. But then I want you to look at the the three sixty view mm-hmm. of it, and Nathan Lane is gay. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams grew up in San Francisco, has been a gay, was a gay ally his mm-hmm. entire life. Yep. Mike Nichols went on to direct Angels in America. 
the director. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays the son went on to play multiple gay characters. Mm-hmm. Callista Flockhart played, uh, made sure that Ally McBeal had some of the first gay characters on TV that weren't stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Like, the entire sort of orbiting cast and Ally crew. Ally was really uh, fun. Who? Ally McBeal. Oh, I yeah, I never watched it. I've watched never a few episodes. Episode. We should binge it. We should. Wa- that should be our I next. I don't know like, where it's show. available. Streaming, but um, <laughs> I I'm sure it's available somewhere. Um, probably it's, it seems like a Hulu thing, honestly. Like the kind of the, the thing that would end up on Hulu, which of course is not available in Canada. Disney Bell, Spell's fault. Well, not really. No. I'm blaming Disney. Okay, Disney has more. That's money. fine. Disney can take the hit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that turned into but a yeah, bit of a rant. But no, we'll, we'll get back to the old guard and talk about how these the, the old guard of gay movies were very much grandstanding. Talking about, not, you were gay in so, you were a gay character insofar as you could talk about being gay and send a message about being gay. But that wasn't present in the old guard and that hasn't been present in a lot of gay media coming out since then. Now, if only major studios would learn that you don't have to grandstand to make something gay in a movie. Or do your grandstanding and just do the gay characters properly. Like, it's it just bothers me um but there's a second part to this topic that i just wanted to kind of get out there and it's that this year a lot of queer books came out Mm -hmm. that have been just fantastic books um and i've been reading them all um boyfriend material by alexis hall just kind of broke my mental barrier and was like i want a boyfriend yeah for the first time in my life i heard james kind of come into my room and be like sort of like mm-hmm. i'm like i want to get married i'm like oh my god specifically to a stuffy british lawyer like we can't be friends anymore and like if, you know if that, you feel that way still but you don't the, quite gratefully you, you claim to your senses would still you know <laughs> be with a stuffy british lawyer but specifically that one um <laughs> And then surrender your sons. Who like the the author follows you on YouTube, watches videos. Yes, yes they do. Um, And then surrender your sons was fantastic. Um, Oh, I'm blanking. I'll put them on Twitter. I'll I'll put them on Twitter. But there were a a bunch of gay books. Uh, Four of them were actually my favorite books of the year that I've read, and they were just fantastic and and i'm so glad to see queer authors getting to write queer stories and actually getting out there yes yes exactly i mean like we still don't get paid as much as straight women for writing queer characters no but like you know the fact that we are getting out there the getting recognition and at the same time getting some of those sales that have been kind of cornered by uh women writing queer characters um male queer character queer characters and Uh, and getting on those bestseller lists and stuff like that mm -hmm. like breaking through that so that you know, the sort of stigmatization is the wrong word, but the, the ghettoization of gay authors mm-hmm. and gay books is starting to die off a little bit because of books like, uh, came out last year, but Red, White, and Royal Blue, you know, a romance novel about the son of the president. Um, and the grandson of the... Getting together with the basically Prince Harry. Yeah. Um, and that just sold like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was huge. And so it's it's really nice to see that those walls starting to break down. I mean, like, there are a whole bunch of other walls in publishing for authors that I'd like to see go down, too, in terms of discrimination and who gets paid more than who for book deals. Oh, absolutely. Like, but yeah. we've gone from um, uh, 
Gore Vidal mm -hmm. writing about gay characters in the 50s and 60s yeah. and being blacklisted by newspapers review refusing to review him and stuff like that to the drama point, queens to the point where now gay authors are highlighted in major publications Which i want to know how the idea of like they call us drama queens but the second anything gay drops they get squeamish <laughs> yeah um speaking of squeamish jk rowling oh i've been i've been trying to figure out how to talk about this for a while now like there were um, several video attempts like you were going to do like a live stream sort of question session like a mini video like... i was going to do that i was going to do a, a full video essay about it and i figured i'll just put it here and get not feed the troll and get my opinions yeah. out there and kind of just which this kind of starts as a thing about what what the crap jk and turns into like a rant about turfdom as a whole like there's no way you can kind of in separate separate the two at the uh, right at this point yeah um, which is like they're really like not tragic it's not tragic but it's just absurd that jk rowling has gone from who she was when she was publishing harry potter and being interviewed and talking and literally she's the reason why the uk struck down their no gay characters in children's libraries yeah like so if you don't know what's going on if you don't know what's going on um and why jk rowling is very the subject of ire um is that over the last couple of years, she has become incredibly turfy. Mm -hmm. So that is trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Yeah. Basically, women who hate trans people. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise, they started calling themselves that. Yeah. Um, they now say it's a slur. That was their word. That was their name for their own movement. Yeah. Um, so she got... I don't know if she got radicalized into it. I don't know how yeah. it happened, but she just kind of joined these. It, it, it started with a trickle, like to a point where it was dismissible by some, ignorable well, yeah, it was by like others. Like retweeting feminist tweets from turfy people. Yeah, like and it was, where like, it was okay. like, oh, she just doesn't know. Yeah, like you can understand why she would retweet that post about women and needing to be in politics mm -hmm. as something that should be retweeted, and then, but it would be from a incredibly transphobic. Uh, Twitter, an incredibly transphobic Twitter account. Yeah. Um, and at first it was a matter of trans people kind of spotting it, putting together the the, the dots and kind of being like, no, this is Why is she following these people? Yeah, why is she following these people? Why does she keep having these, quote, middle-aged moments where she just didn't pay attention to Which these is things? what her publicist called them. Yeah. Middle-aged moments. Um, and then she finally just came out with this manifesto, basically yeah, saying... gender-critical manifesto, basically saying that uh, trans women are men, trans men don't exist... Well, men... she never mentioned trans men. Well, yeah, that's what I mean by they don't exist. Never mentioned them. Um, all men are rapists, and all women are, you know... I don't think she said all men are rapists. That's, that's a turf thing. She didn't say that. Okay. She's bad enough. We don't need to put words in her mouth. I guess so. Um, um... But it was, it was very focused on... Um, this sort of straw man argument of women have trauma, you know, mm -hmm. uh, related to sexual assault and yeah. rape and things like that. And so, quote, you know, sort of allowing men into women's spaces. And it's like, but they're not men. Yeah, these are women. Yeah. And you're just. And then, like, doubling back and saying, like, no, 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 I support trans women, and I have plenty of trans friends, and they like this way that I think about them. And it's like, but you are literally saying... I have black friends, and they're okay with me using the N-word. But 
but you're literally saying that trans women in women's bathrooms are men in women's bathrooms. So yeah. obviously you don't think of them as women, in which case you do not respect their rights. That is the exclusive, not the exclusive thing, but the biggest portion of trans recognition is recognizing them as their ascribed gender. Ascribed gender? Affirmed gender. Affirmed gender. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's kind of baffling because she for so long was kind of like the wokest author mm-hmm. in wokedom um you know like it was dumbledore was you know made retroactively gay because books, when she was publishing because, the books well yeah because when she was publishing the books it was illegal to have gay characters in children's mm-hmm. and middle grade novels yeah. um not that you know she'd be arrested, but they couldn't yeah. be in li- yeah, in so, school so libraries. Yeah, so she kind of made them sort of uh, call their bluff and be like, "Okay, you can take these char- these books out, or you the, the best selling books of like all time out, or you can change the law." Well, and and it was kind of like, "Okay, well," uh, and they kind of beat it around the bush for a while after she revealed that Dumbledore was gay, mm-hmm. and. But th- that was the reasoning. And a lot of people say, you know, why didn't she, she should have made him gay during mm-hmm. the series if she wanted him to be gay. Yeah. And that was the reasoning because it mm-hmm. was illegal. Yeah. Um, and sort of. I mean, enough perks of hers were burned as it was just by Christians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because. Yeah. Um, and then there was the, the Fantastic Beast stuff, mm-hmm. which it's like, OK, so Dumbledore and Grindelwald had a relationship and then everyone myself included was very excited for the possibility of actually seeing this on the big screen because seeing it in a huge movie gay characters in a that have had a relationship from a major studio yeah um and then the director david yates comes out and says well no we're just gonna kind of infer that and even me i was like well by the fifth movie in the fantastic b series it'll they'll be you know out yeah and, out and proud and like even then and, i was kind of a little like no don't put it in the fifth one that's a bit of a cop-out because by then people are already invested in that like if you want to actually put a stand down like make it put it out but that's the thing and 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 that's that's the thing between you know radical queerdom mm-hmm. and logical business know, thinking is sadly. that you can't do that because if you make them gay as like fully gay in movie three or four then there's a whole lot of people who will say i'm not taking my children to see this movie and then your you know your 300 million dollar movie doesn't make its budget back. i know and i am a little bit of a radical queer i just want us all to be friends like we were in middle school (laughs) and so like i was completely okay with it just being the fifth movie but then she goes and turns into this hateful Mm -hmm. bigot Mm -hmm. and you know just completely off the rails like nobody asked for this nobody cares except like well people did care but like nobody wanted her opinion well yeah this. it was like nobody nobody was asking rich white woman to what? give her opinion yeah. on trans rights in england and it's just it's incredibly infuriating and it's it's you know brought up other things such as the kind of obviousness of the goblins in harry potter yeah, being the, the jewish anti-Semitic kind and of, um, that the only irish character in harry potter keeps blowing shit up and like the way that people of color in harry potter cho chang the only asian in, in hogwarts has is named cho most, chang yeah and like other like 
characters of color being completely shoved to the side to make way for white characters. Like, yeah, which she then kind of retroactively was like, well, Harry, uh, Hermione was black um, with the Cursed Child play. And then the Cursed Child came out and it was like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, these are... They're gay. They're, they're gay. They're gay. They're so gay. They're going to be gay. together by the end of this. They're going to kiss or hold hands or mm-hmm. something. And then it's like, oh, no, they're straight. We're going to make sure you know they're straight. And I'm like, just growing more and more frustrated yeah. with her before she went total turf. Yeah. And, like, all of her turf arguments are so ridiculous. Like, I don't know, like, who got to her in her little rich mansion castle bubble. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Because she didn't... This did not seem to be... An, issue for her for a long time fact, like she, i said like, she was like the wokest she of the even woke. vaguely confirmed like the existence of transgender people in this world like well yeah because someone a fan asked her on twitter like you know i'm trans if i went to hogwarts would i be able to you know would does hogwarts allow trans people yeah. and her reply was some something a little vague but it was kind of like you know it, it trans had, people could go know, up the other uh, other dorm- to the right dormitory, dormitory. yeah and it was like, oh, so, you know, Hogwarts is trans accepting. Yeah. And but apparently, like JK... so apparently her creation is, but she's not. But the thing about J.K. Rowling is like she, in spite of all of this, continues to insist that she is pro-trans, that she is a yeah. trans ally, that she has trans support groups that wrote her letters and talked about how grateful they were about her gender critical manifesto talking about how trans women weren't women. Yeah. Uh, sorry, this should have had a content warning. Um, but just like... Sorry, my brain has gone dead. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... It's really... It, it's like you just think about it in your blue screen. And it's, it's like... And she... She she puts out a thing. She says a thing. Mm-hmm. And then... People get mad at the thing. People get mad at the thing. And then she goes away. And then she comes back. With another and, thing. And says another thing. Oh, no, we also just going to casually ignore the fact that J.K. Rowling in one of these things she put out said that if she had known that transitioning was an option, she might have done it yeah which is like what and and then she releases a book which was a thousand page thriller Thriller, which is a bit much um like even by stephen king standards well he well his thrillers are not a thousand pages yeah it's horror novels that are a thousand pages um and sort of sagas that are a thousand pages Mm -hmm. but um you know carrie is like 220 pages yeah but like she puts out this book that is not about a transgender killer yeah but there's like an instant part of the plot is that years ago there was a killer who dressed as a woman to kill women and it's like why did it's so inconsequential to the plot it's like why did you put that in there like and it's why did you put that in there it is such a turf argument to say that you know there we can't let trans women in women's bathrooms First of all, I want to know who the gatekeeper behind these bathrooms are, standing out inside of, in front of every public bathroom, stopping, checking everyone's privates. Yeah, yeah. Who, who does that? Who gets that job? Um, we should be more worried about that person. Because the um, whole bathroom law thing, and and this will be the the, the last part of yeah. it because we need to move on. But yeah. the whole bathroom law thing is really just exclusionary to trans women who don't pass yet. Oh my god, yes. And not just that, but like uh, effeminate. Uh, masculine people and or or even i've heard of uh, cis women who kind of have more of a boyish look who Mm -hmm. have been had the crap beaten out of them because they don't pass and like the absurdity of thinking that someone who with intent to rape or murder a woman is going to dress up like a woman to get into the bathroom and then do it yeah 
Like, that's absurd. And it's absurd to think that someone is going to look at Gigi Gorgeous oh God, and yes. be like, that's a man. Mm-hmm. Get her out of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's really just exclusionary. It's exclusionary, obviously, to trans people, yeah. but specifically to trans people who are early on in transition, which is like, you know, the time frame when you should, they need the most welcoming yeah. atmosphere. And not just that, but like boyish cis women. Like, this is a ma- not a matter of, tra- uh, like, it's a ma- matter of, enti- of policing gender as yeah. a whole. And like, it, it, there are weird consequences. And I can't understand why someone who, is educated and has shown that she has been intelligent, like a J.K. Rowling, that why she would kind of just jump onto this and think that her womanness and her womanhood, specifically the bathroom, is at risk because of trans women. Because, you know, it's like, okay, so you, you want people going in the bathroom for their gender assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. So you want Buck Angel in the women's bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like, oh, you feel more comfortable peeing next to him yeah. than, you know, contrapoints. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. We sh- we could spiral on about this forever. It- it- it's just a matter of, like... Yeah. You've written... I-, I, don't, I don't know how... You wrote an article about it. I don't know it. how this sliver of feminism, which is, like, weirdly large at this point, sort of grasped onto the idea that the root of all patriarchy was trans women. Yeah. Like, how is that the largest like threat to womenhood? Fem- men, men invading feminism. and Well, they do think of them as, like, literal secret agents. Oh, I know. Invading women's circles and then seeding discontent. Like, yeah, that's how they think of it. They think like, that they're that... Oh, my God. Trans women even... just want to be left alone. Yes. Like, f- fuck. <laughs> but... So many people just want to be left alone. That's what, like, fighting against, like, a lot of anti-discrimination is about. It's not about taking anyone's privilege away. It's about being left alone. Yeah. Mind your own business. And so we'll stop that there, because that could go on forever. (laughs) It probably should have been its own podcast. Um, Might still yet be. But um, there's kind of one and a half topics left. And the last one is a positive one. And it's something that happened in 2020. And it was... People started watching my YouTube videos, which was a very long time like that? coming. That because if you me... look at my channel, I have shorter, like, five-minute videos from seven years ago that I put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, like, a, a series of three of them. No one watched them, so I stopped making them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you then tried I did... ASMR for a little bit? Like... Uh, that was a different channel. Yeah. Uh, reading Harry Potter books. <laughs> um, right. But... Uh, and then there was, which, that had a much bigger following than my normal yeah. uh, channel did at the time. But then there was, I did Monsters in the Closet. Mm-hmm. And, well, first I did the Stonewall film theory that no, nobody watched. Plenty of people have watched it now. The, the, I remember that one. It was basically an argument saying that um, gay movies fail because they're gay. But, right, so we, what we just talked about, kind of, with the old guard, like, gay movies failing because they're explicitly gay and not trying to be good movies with gay characters. Well, yeah, like, a bad gay movie failed because it's gay. Yeah. And a good gay movie succeeded because it was a good movie. Yeah. And... That was in response to Roland Emmerich Stonewall, right? Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my argument at the time was kind of like, just go see these, you know, 
bad gay movies with bad representation that are mm-hmm. that are cis washing things and so i don't that's not my opinion anymore yeah but then i did monsters in the closet and that got some views and then i did the harry potter video and that got some views and then i just kind of stopped doing youtube and then randomly this past june mm-hmm. youtube decided that uh you know giving, the algorithm loved you yeah for it was, for pride month yeah, they was, really pushed monsters in the closet because pride month was under a pandemic a pandemic at pride um I don't think it had anything to do with the pandemic. It was I think just... it was specifically, like, I remember YouTube kind of going over, like, wanting to sort of push promo- pr- new pr- uh, unknown Well, they promotions. do that every Pride Month. Okay. They okay. just push gay, con- queer content mm-hmm. that hasn't been viewed. And so they specifically pushed Monsters in the Closet. And suddenly within, like, a week, it, had, it went from 1,300 views to 200,000 views. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, there's people subscribing to my channel. I need to put something out. Yeah. And so I started making videos. Which, like, I was so happy that that actually, like, got to happen to you. Because, like, you know me and, like, my my jealousy problems. Like, you'll be laughing at a book and I'll come in and be like, you didn't laugh like that to my book. (laughs) He does. He does that all the time. (laughs) I get so jealous. Um, And, like... I was I wasn't even jealous that people started being your friend, not your friend. I like your follower. <laughs> you have friends. Um, like I I just kind of really like that you had this thing to kind of work on, especially the kind of uh, fandom that you have kind of tapped into your kind of niche group of followers. Like they are they seem like just really cool, really cool, cool level headed awesome. people. Yeah, like they're very supportive. They're very protective. Like, like some had... random ones will pop up that like will be difficult yeah i i get i get so angry when i'm much angrier than james does when he he tells me about like negative comments on his videos i'll be like okay where are they i i did laugh at a comment um uh of um my horror video from this past october Mm -hmm. um that i'm blanking on the title of that's just in the closet two was the working title yeah but that wasn't it uh deep cuts deep cuts uh so somebody commented left a big long comment oh my god about how actually uh you said that homo erectus and homo sapiens fought each other but it was actually neanderthals and it was not just like that it was like a page yeah just like micromanic like microtic stuff and i'm like okay that's in the first like 40 seconds of the video what do you think of the rest of it but you know also, people who say that you're boring or anything, I I, I want to like get on my computer and go on the attack. Like I just I'm very protective. Like, yeah, like someone said, you know, <clears throat> for the gay porn video, mm-hmm. which almost has two hundred thousand views. Yeah, that they were like the first half of this was great, I really and liked the second how half it was, but then the second half just completely fell off and turned into what it what what it was it like a true line sort of thing. What was their exact tr- phrasing? Tr- Oh, I, I forget oh. their exact phrasing, but, you know, the second half... Tabloid. Is, it was a ta- tabloid media. Yeah, and it's like, well, I'm sorry that the second half like, involves media. What do you want to expect? Like, how, how are you supposed to cover gay porn just stopping at the 80s? Like, yeah. AIDS like, happened. Right before AIDS stopped it, there. It, it didn't kill the industry, but it tried its best. <laughs> but I'm... You know, I've got um, my gay holocaust video coming out. Maybe you shouldn't call it the gay holocaust video. We should call it the video about gay people in the holocaust okay whatever <laughs> it's, it's holocaust. called pink triangles <laughs> sounds a little bit uh, um and that's coming out in next week yeah week from today i think um and then i've got other videos planned i'm just gonna keep going because 
I we're gonna keep winning. I love keep winning. I I love doing it, and I'm so happy because this is something I actually really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, thank you guys so much for subscribing to my YouTube channel. You're awesome. Um, And if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, and you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, go do it. And my Twitter, smash that subscribe button. Yes, like and subscribe. Also, you know, like subscribe to the podcast and this podcast video channel. Like and subscribe. Um, so the last thing is just a quick short thing. What do you want to happen in 2021? You know, I... I Personally. Like, you know, not big picture. Oh, oh okay. You know, like, not you know, world peace. Okay, because I, I feel uncomfortable not wishing for that. I have a wish. Like, oh, I'd have to use it on myself. Yeah. Like, oh. like, I, honestly, like, I, I think we should start doing this more than New Year's resolutions. Like, what do we want to happen? Rather than like, what are you going to hold yourself accountable to and then get really depressed on the third Monday of February, on the second Monday of February. Okay, we're eight minutes over. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, well, obviously I have a book coming out and I really hope that that. June 8th. Does well. June 8th. Gentleman's Club. Gentleman's Club. Evelyn Knight book one. Yes. Comes out June 8th. It's currently available for, for pre-order, pre-order on all major book sites, booksellers, Amazon, mm-hmm. all of, all of them. Amazon. No, Kindle is Amazon. All of them. Yeah, so it's all of up them. for the ebook and the hardcover up, even, up even for pre-order. iBooks, iBooks is yeah, it's up for okay. It's up iBooks for was everywhere. a piff a pitch. Okay. Yeah, it's it it was when iBooks when you tried difficult. self when you tried self publishing it, it was a nightmare. But yeah. it's it's much better this time around because mm-hmm. we didn't have to do any of it. Um. But uh, that's a good good thing for you. Um. To... And so, what, what's what's your thing that you want? Um, so this doesn't seem like a shameless self-promotion, uh, which it is definitely not. And you know why I'm grateful that you have a YouTube video following? Hmm. So people can be exposed to my book, you by proxy. <laughs> like, I am going to, like, ride you like a horse to fit. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> um, well, yeah, app- apparently I'm versed now, so. What do I want to happen in Ace 2021? Card. Well, I want... Two things. I want my mom to be okay. Right. She was recently... Oh, that got dark. She was recently diagnosed with um, a pretty much untreatable... Not untreatable, but it's you can't remove it. Difficult to treat and you super can't surgically uncom- Super it. rare. Yeah. Um, cancer of the bile ducts. Um, she's going to get chemo and everything, so hoping that works. Um, and then I want to write a book. Oh, and I know what book I'm going to write. Are you going to make that commitment? Yeah. Okay. And I know what book I'm going to write, and I'm a good portion into it, and I'm going to, um, yeah, hopefully do that. I I do read his stuff too. Don't worry. And he tells me how terrible it is, and I stop writing. Did that once, more than once, with one of your script and a book, and then the book that I did it to, I thought it was, I thought it had a really good story and outline, but it was a little bit rough in the beginning, and that was the first thing that I ever read critically for literally anyone ever, and I made some mistakes, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, so we're way over on this. How um, long is it, how long were we that were, were we today? Uh, I was hoping we'd be about 55 minutes. We're about an hour eight. So it's not that bad, James. Oh, it's super... people release like an hour and a half podcasts. We we. We need to be responsible. You know the feedback. I, the feedback I've gotten from people is that they really like when it's disorganized and ranty. 
It's always this, this is, is tantrum. This is a thousand tiny tantrums, and today was we did we got through like six. Yeah, making progress. <laughs> um, so, thank you so much for listening to episode five of our podcast, 2020 Strikes Back, and uh, we'll be back within a week with yes. episode six. We really need to kind of get these out on one day we of do, the week. We do. Um, Things have been crazy. We moved into a new place and now we're settled now so we can regularly pump out content. Yeah. To the content gods. Um, the content. <laughs> oh my god. So my name is James. I make YouTube videos and I do Twitters. And you can follow me on both. Um... J.E. Summerton on Twitter, and you probably already know my YouTube channel, and you are? I, I Oh, yeah, me. I'm, I'm Nick. Um, I do Twitter, uh, nthergot. No, at nthergot, and I do Instagram posts. I promise to be getting better at putting pictures up. He's uh, a photographer. He doesn't post do, any pictures. Yeah, I have a bunch of pictures, and I just haven't put them up because this last six months have been crazy. And he's an author with a book coming out June 8th. Go pre-order it. You can find everything. It's about a queer superhero. And you can find everything I do on my website, ntherbot.com. I also have a website, but I haven't updated it in months, so I'm not going to say it here. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to 2021. You can probably guess and get the website. Please, Jesus Christ, let 2021 be better than 2020. Uh, here's hoping. All right. Even just marginally better. A little better. Hope you had a great new year and Dial look back forward. To <laughs> Look forward to all of us having a better 2021 than 2020. Maybe next year we can just have a list of good things. All right. Hopefully. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.